Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, welcome to another Real USA podcast. This is Alan. I'm joined today by Robin Stacy. How are you, Robin? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Well, I was I was going to be better until this transfer window ended up kind of fizzling out, and then we lost to Rio. So I, I'm okay, but I I could have been better. I was I was excited for players coming in, and we didn't get any. And and yet you're going to tell me why I should be satisfied anyway, right? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, whenever this happens, I feel like a naughty school child coming to his head teacher. Because <laughs> it happens to be me being heard, somehow I managed to put my foot in it somehow. So I think it, it's interesting, isn't it? It's really interesting kind of how we how we look at it and how we perceive it. Because what was really interesting is when we announced like Dennis Suarez and um, Brendan Diaz coming in, and then there was this big shebang about oh, we get like what thirty million for Jackson, and then we were like. You know, we got rid of. Di- cool. Okay, sorry, we had a we had a glitch there, but you were saying thirty million for Jackson. You were in full flow about how excited we were going to be, and we and we were. Yeah. Oh, you cut cut me off too soon. That's uh, <laughs> no, only joking. Uh, yeah. So we, with Jackson, so it was all like geared up to be this really sort of great transfer window. You know, we get all that money for Jackson, which I think caught everyone off guard. Um, and then we were sort of expecting to sort of reinvest that money, which would have been an absolute fair. So I kind of, I really understand why people are a bit worried and concerned by it. Like, obviously, the Rooney thing happened, and you, you'd think that we'd invest in a keeper. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the whole Jackson thing probably caught us off guard a bit anyway, really. I think we were all in the place of making the deals, and then we suddenly looked at the money, and then we kind of thought, we're going to have to just reassess everything. So kind of my, my take on it is like I'm very happy that we lost Dan Juma. I think thing to bear in mind with Dan Juma is that we, we weren't getting a fee for him. We haven't got anything. We just released a few wages because he's gone on loan, doesn't he, really? So we can't really invest that money. Right. Same with the Jackson deal. It didn't come in, so we haven't got the money. So the only logical money we've got in was Ruley. And realistically, in, in a weird way, you know, like we sort of, I don't know if the stadium's come into it or something, but... Rayner is a pretty solid keeper. So I think if, if he'd been spectacularly injured, then obviously there, there is the age thing to consider. But if Rayner is still of good quality, hasn't been bad at all, then realistically you would keep him for the rest of the season. And then once we're in Europe, which I think is still quite a realistic possibility, we've got plenty much more money to spend and, and really invest and think about it more wisely. So mm. that's kind of my practical approach to it. I think I was accused of being a bit over-optimistic, which I can see. But I think, you know, like we've got to this good position without Dan Juma. We've got to this position without the players that we've let go. So I'm not as concerned, I guess, to some people. So, But how, how's your take on it? You know, sort of, how do you feel? <laughs> well, I, I think my concern is generally you win games by scoring goals and not giving them up. And mm-hmm. um, I'm a little, I, I think the fact of the matter is when you look at our at our record this year we just haven't been scoring very much 
And you can argue that, yeah, keepers have been playing really well against us or whatever. Um, we've had some bad luck and whatnot. But I just feel as though the um, the our ability to score goals has not been there as much as we expected. I think we're over-reliant on Gerard, And um, I think that uh, that's why I think bringing in somebody to replace Dan Juma was was getting people excited because um, we really need some help up front. I keep, I keep going back to the summer. I mean, I think, I think uh, Cavani was there for us to, to sign and we didn't. I mean, I understand the wages were an issue, but it feels to me as though we um, really didn't prioritize that in a way that maybe we should have. And then at the back, I mean, the irony, of course, is that Ruli was playing probably the best he's played for us when we sold him. Um, and he goes to Ajax, and then their coach gets fired. <laughs> so <laughs> poor guy doesn't have any luck. Um, you know, I mean, I think I think we all knew what his, what his limitations were, and I think we all are appreciative of what he did while he was here to help us in the, you know, win the Europa League and whatnot. Um, but I think the issue to me is I wouldn't have minded going with Reyna as your first keeper if you had a second, mm. if you had a second who was, had some experience. But, you know, I, I, I don't even think Jorgensen is the best keeper on the B team. I don't know why he's, why he started ahead of Alvarez. Anyway. Yeah. I was definitely surprised. I mean, if we look at that performance in, in the last game, the, the goal itself, I mean, yeah, he, he certainly could have done better, but there wasn't any major faults other than that. And obviously that's that's what costs it a bit, doesn't it, really? I mean, he is only 20 years of old age, yeah, years of age. And, you know, to get that experience of becoming the keeper that he needs to be, he needs to be put in pressurised positions, he needs to develop. So I kind of, my, my kind of take on it is that we're seeing it's almost an opportunity. I mean, people are talking about fourth, but I think even with a lot of strikers or, you know, investing heavily, I think fourth would have been a hard bet for us anyway, really. I don't mean that in a harsh way, and I know it sounds typically like almost unoptimistic of me, but I think fourth was a bit unrealistic considering that we're still finding our feet. Was, like I said, a lot of people said that, you know, we haven't got that goal threat. I mean, if it was up to me, I'd probably try and change up the formation a bit. I'd be excited to see what Gerard and, say, Brendan Diaz up front together could do if we end up doing a four-four-two, which obviously is, is my is my preference. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting, really. I mean, so if, like, say, say we got Perez, what, how would you embed Perez into the squad, though? Because then technically you'd be jeopardising Pino and, and Samu, who obviously aren't scoring loads, but they are consistently good players for us. Yeah, um, I think. I think to me it's more a case of I think we saw in the match against Rio that and I think we've seen this in other matches too is that I would have thought the advantage of bringing somebody in like Perez would be that it would give you a, com a completely different look than um, than the four three three with with um, the way we've been playing it I I think that. Morales has been very he's he's a he's been fine in the conference league but in the league he's he's not you know he's been very disappointing um 
And I, and I think the problem that we see is that we have a lot of, to me, we have a lot of players who are somewhat similar. And mm. I think Perez would have been different. That's, that's my take on it. It's like, that's why I wanted Cavani, because Cavani would have been different. We have, yeah. a lot of, we have a lot of setup players. We have a lot of quick players. We have um, excellent people who can cut in from the wing. But we don't have, apart from Gerard, we don't have a finisher. And Gerard is more of a passer and a finisher. Um, yeah. So I think we needed that, that Cavani-type person for that reason. Now, Perez, of course, is not Cavani-style either. So I, I get that. Um to me, the issue is it just seems like we have a lot of midfield. We, we seem to have accumulated a large number of midfielders, and um, I'm not sure that they – I don't know what Lacelso does <laughs> when he comes back. You know, I don't know. You know, Manu Trigueros, who admittedly has been my favorite player for years, I'm going to admit that, you know, he's – I think the physical – toll um, of some of his injuries and everything is, but has really affected him, but he's also not getting enough playing time now to recover from that. So I think he's basically a bit player. Um, and I think we've all been, to me, it's, it's like you, you say about Jackson, we were kind of taken aback by the, by the bid. I think we were taken aback because the, all the rumors I had heard were that, Emery might want him at Aston Villa and we never, and then that never developed, but then suddenly there's interest from elsewhere, but it just seems like we don't have a plan B, you know, it's like, okay. So if, when the, when that fell through, we didn't, it, it was like, okay, this is going to be a big chunk of money. We'll save until the summer, I guess. And now we don't, now we don't have that. So, you know, in the summer, maybe he goes, I, it, it's, you're right that it's hard when you have a window where, where suddenly it looks like you've got this big amount of money and then it gets snatched away from you. It's hard to feel good about that. I get that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I, I certainly do, and I, I understand that the Plan B thing is a real worry. Um, but what I would say is that we, and I certainly agree with that. If you know if things go wrong, we haven't got a Plan B. But until something actually happens where it's that bad, you, then I find it quite difficult to say this might go wrong, this might happen, this might happen. Um, maybe again, that might be me just being over positive because I, I certainly I can see what would happen we'll end up like real sociedad which happens to them every season where they go really heavy and they do really well and then they're just absolutely knackered by the end of the mm -hmm. season and mm -hmm. really struggling to build up they drop down so I think the goal for us is making sure we maintain the position we're in I, like I said I don't think we get fourth but we could get fifth sixth we can get Europa football again which uh, with the squad we have I think and it gives a gives a real chance for some of those players to really shine I mean uh, you know it's obviously it's a bit optimistic talking about the youth really but if you look at like Benyana and, and Samu and Pino they are really growing with the more roles that they have 
Um, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think in the same way. Well, and I think it also depends how you look at it. Is <laughs> there's also a, a bit of optimism and pessimism that comes into it from the beginning because I look at Samu this year, and he's and under under uh, Seitian, he's a much more confident, much more much more exciting player. He's back to where he was, you know, two or three years ago when he was being linked with all these teams. And I think there's a natural feeling in, among Villarreal fans that, you know, whoever we get that, as a youngster that, that turns out to be really good, um, we're going to lose them in two or three years' time. <laughs> um, so I think the it's true that during the summer you could have – People coming in for for Baena, for um, for Samu, for um, Yeremy. Sure, that could happen, but realistically, the way the the way the market is these days, the the question is: Do you have a Premier League team coming in for you or not? Because if you don't, it's like if if Jackson goes out in the you know if we say in the summer gee, we're interested in selling Jackson and there's no Premier League team interested, we're not going to get 30 million for him. We're not going to get 20. We're, we might get 10. I mean, that England has all the money these days. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, we were all taken back in shock, really. I mean, I think how Jackson must have felt like something all this crazy interest in him. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah. He's certainly a great, I mean, he could be a really potential great player, but and I think that the reason the move fell through was he had a he had a he had an injury that was likely keeping out this season. Really, yeah. It, it wasn't that he there was anything particularly wrong with him. It was just that that particular injury that he had meant that they were investing a lot of money in a player because obviously they need the help now. Yes. And and there's no point investing in a player that's going to be injured for most of the season. So they might come back for him. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if, if everything's okay with them come come the summer. So I, I certainly don't think we can. Work uh, it would be also interesting to see how um, Setien actually plays Jackson because maybe he'd be playing him more in a central midfield role rather than on the wings there. So um, how we develop it. I mean, one thing I just wanted to kind of go back to on a point was the interesting thing about Samu and Gerard is they never play well together at the same time. Have you noticed that? So I think it's like a detriment to the formation we play in the sense that if we play 4-3-3, Samu is better than then Gerard, and if we play four four two, then Samu is weakened and doesn't do as well. So it's, it's quite quite interesting. With yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. The thing I I, I did not get to see the entire Rio match. I, I I saw the first half, which I guess was the half you wanted to see, but um, still <laughs> still didn't score. Um, but I I will say that Baina um, has. You know, he's 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 reminded me of when we talked about. I, I'm going to go back to Trigueros. When we when we've talked about Trigueros before, you know, the point was made with him that when he was young and playing with the in the Segunda that year, but then even the year or so after, with the once we had gotten promoted back there was a certain level of talent that you saw that you thought, boy, if this guy goes on and develops, he's going to be, um, you know, Spanish national team. He's going to be a real star. And it never quite happened. And, um, you know, some people have suggested that's just not who he, you know, he's just a more comfortable kind of down to earth kind of guy, but 
isn't isn't willing to, to, to work at it. And Baina, to me, is like a young um, Trigueros. I mean, when I when I watch him play in our midfield, I mean, he is he is really impressive. He's got an he's got an absolutely wicked shot from outside the box. I still can't believe that one didn't that uh, the keeper got to that one in the first half. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think he, to me, is a guy that, I mean, I know we just improved his, his, um, his deal. I know we, I think he has a 60 million release clause now, and hopefully that's enough to deter clubs for another year or two. But boy, if I were looking, if I were looking at young talent across Europe, I'm just blown away by him. Yeah. I mean, he's come from nowhere. I mean, you know. He's a perfect example that if you give a chance to a player, to the youth, to shine, then they can do it. I mean, one of the things that we've sort of said over the years, for many years now, we've got all this talent in the, in the B team and all that underneath. You've got, you've got to give them the opportunity to give that chance. And this is, this is almost an opportunity for that. Because I, don't th- I think the, clubs, the way we're looking at it is we're not, probably not going to get top four, but we can still sort of maintain this run of form, and that's based on the young players. I mean, I think it, I think it was Zico that I think said a really, really good comment today that our best, signing, our best players have come from the Cantera, in a way. We've had Samu, Pino, and um, Benyera that were the best players this season. And the other players that we put in that are playing were mostly frees. So, mm-hmm. that, that's really, I mean, the most expensive player in our starting lineup is it was Gerard, isn't it, really? so Right, and uh, he came from us to start with. I mean, you know, yeah. the whole, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I guess, there, I guess it comes back in some ways to the question of, what it is that you had that you are hoping to do, and I and I think um, that's always a we've talked about this that there's not a without the cordon sort of person you know running the show in the front office. The coaches sometimes have more influence on who gets signed and who doesn't and who goes out. Um, I I still think. To me, it's like you look at you look at another player. You know, we're talking about Cavani. You look talk about another player we'd like to have is uh, Dia, who we had and we loaned with a buy option to this team in Italy. And you know, boy, that that looks like a really dumb decision now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it just weird. I mean, that whole thing was really weird. He he, he was on a. I, I mean, I do blame Emery for this. Really, I, I still I think that was a decision by Emery. Really, I don't know what it was, but. He, he was on, a, if you remember right, at Christmas, he was on a really good run of form, wasn't he? And then he went off to the Cup of Nations and then just never got back in the squad. And I think him and Gerard could have formed a really, really good partnership. But the thing, the similarity between him and Gerard is they're both crap up top on their own. So if you put the two of them together, see what happens. You know, go yeah, back to the years yeah, of sort yeah. of Rossi Nilmar and 442. That, that, I, I still, I just, I think it's, it's a curse. Every time we move away from 442, it doesn't work. Um, and that's just my, maybe I'm just being British, and you know my our obsession with four four two, which is famous, I know. Um, well, but yeah, it, it was a big mistake letting him go. It really was. I really, think. Yeah, yeah. Well, the four four two thing is interesting because certainly it's not a formation that is. You know, most teams have abandoned it by now. It's it's one of those that that um, uh, people don't look to be implementing very much. But it's always been the it's always been the formation that's been in Virial's DNA, as it were, and mm-hmm. I think part of the growing pains under Setien has been 
um, moving away from that. On the other hand, when you have a when you look at the squad we have, and you look at the winger, the the, the young um, attacking midfield winger types that we have, it's hard to figure out how you accommodate all those players in a four four two. Yeah, that's come true. I mean, it, it is interesting, isn't it, that how we do? I mean, with certain players, and I mean, for me, my my perfect formation has always been like have Samu and. Like, you know, I wanted to kind of adopt an almost Atletico Madrid style of having those really attacking wingers going through the middle uh, rather than going on onto the wings and just a bit more of a tight, narrow thing. But that, you know, that does never quite quite happen with us. It, I, I mean, I, I feel like I should give you an opportunity here, Alan, in the sense of Trigueros, because I know that no one else likes Trigueros in the same way that me and you do. So I'm giving you an opportunity on the blog to really, on this podcast, to open up on Trigueros. But I, I love I love Trigueros a bit as well. Like, I, I always thought he was a brilliant player. I mean, what do you think has kind of gone wrong with Trigueros? Do you, I think it's just a lack of pace. I think he just lost. I, I mean, think, he had no pace I, Yeah, I think, I think it really is. You know, he's had several injur- hip injuries and, and um, I think, lower back injuries. And I just... I think that's been an issue, a lack of pace. But the other thing is, is that his in the four-three-three, he's a player who really loses out because unless you're going to play him in the middle of the four-three-three, which you're not going to do because he's not doesn't have that defensive capability. You know, his his forte has always been find. You know, he's an excellent passer, finding the finding the through balls to the to the attackers and everything. So he's really a perfect four-four-two player more than a four-three-three. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, he, I, I think he's had, he's got in a weird way he's got the same problem as Gerard has now. But I think he's been moved around so much, and you just we've never just sort of just stuck with one formation for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Trigueros' best years are when he had Bruno behind him, and he could just go in front of him and he can move around and do whatever he wanted. Yeah, we have that with Kapuwe, but then we obviously we've got Pareko there. So Pareko and Kapu, sorry, I said Kapuwe, uh, Kapu and Pareko have a brilliant partnership there, really. And I always feel like, again, I don't, I don't want to go back to blaming Emery, but I think he really, really subdued that midfield. He really subdued uh, Pareko in a way because Pareko was brilliant in what was it? There was one game, was it Girona game or something where he was so good? Yeah, well, he's been good in a bunch of games. Yeah, but yeah, it, I think I think that's the thing. It's like it, it feels to me as though the slot that that Trigueros would have played is now just not there, mm-hmm. and I think he also lost playing time under Emery because he's not a he's not physically. A, a player like like Kapu is, or yeah. or uh, Coquelin when Coquelin has been healthy, which you know I I'm I'm a great fan of Coquelin when he can okay. be on the pitch. Right, he he really adds a lot, and he's and I think that's the thing with with Trigueros is it just seems like we added a lot of midfielders on top of him, mm-hmm. and then with his physical problems and the fact that he really has lost some pace. But to me, it's almost like he's he he needs playing time in order to get back to get some of that pace back, and it, and I just don't see him getting it. So it, it's too bad, and you know it's it, it's odd because he's a player that, apart from maybe when he was uh, maybe like 2014, 2015 seasons, he's never a player that you heard a lot of um, rumors about teams being interested in. He's all he's always been a player who has seemed happy at Villarreal, but he's also been a player for whom Villarreal's style worked very well. 
And I think now that that style has changed more, it's less so. Um, you know, I mean, Emery was more demanding of players tracking back and playing defense. And that Trigueros will do that, obviously, but he but that's not his forte. He's not a he's not primarily a defensive midfielder, of course. No, yeah. I mean, he's been asked to play several positions over the years, so I, I feel for him in a way because I think he's been such a loyal servant for you. I mean, the only time I've ever seen him linked with anyone was when I think they were talking about him for the national Spanish squad. Mm. I mean, the era that they were looking at, I mean, you still have the world-class... You know, yeah, yeah, we have, we have tons of... He's not going to get it, but he's been linked with United and all sorts of stuff. You know the stupid rumours about the British media. I mean, what, what I wanted to kind of go on from this point was... So I know you were, I mean, I don't, obviously don't mean this as a criticism at all, because I mean, I think like 75% of the VRL population are all the same. But what's your opinion of Setien now that we've had a good good run of form? Because I mean, I, you know, I think you, you'd already admit that you weren't his biggest fan when he first... No, I, and I, I'm still, I guess I'm still to, to some degree, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see. I, I think definitely his style is... It's interesting. It's it's it works well if we can score goals because I think as I was saying to Sid the other podcast, you're playing more on the edge. You know, your your control. Some of the plays, some of the some of the attacking play that we've had has just been brilliant to watch. It just hasn't ended in a goal, right? But I think it's it's exciting. It is always a little nerve-wracking when you control so much of the game and then there's one or two counterattacks that you're really exposed. So I in some ways what it what I'm reminded of was the um the 2020 2010-11 run we had under Garrido where it it felt a bit like that but but the difference was that the team was scoring lots of goals. We had Rossi and Nilmar, right? And so the fact that that your center backs were um, were supporting the attack so much, and your and you really didn't have that much speed in your back four, didn't matter when you were already ahead three nil. Um, <laughs> I I I feel like one of the things that that Setien has ex- sort of exposed though is I really uh, Alberto Moreno drives me crazy. I I really don't. I, I wish Pedraza were were fit. Um, I'd like to see him in that in that space, um, but you know, when it's it's definitely an exciting style. I'm just not sure if we can't finish the the attacking plays off, how well it'll work for us. But it's a lot better than you know Fran Escribar and and uh, you know trying to b- basically grind out one nil wins, I suppose. <laughs> That's the, you've just mentioned two names that I never thought we'd mention again in conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next, next. <laughs> oh um, yeah, we're going definitely go down memory lane there. We, we have to be careful about me and you when we talk about it too far because we go too far back sometimes, don't we? So, um, but no, it's a really interesting point with with Setien and how he's done. I mean, he has changed that fan base opinion quite spectacular, and I think he has really reinvented VRL in terms of exciting football, but. If, like you said, if you don't get the goals and get the results, then there's not yeah. much point being that exciting. So, um, yeah, I mean, my opinion. I mean, I, I you know, it's not a competition. Uh, I, I know I was, I was kind of willing to give him more of a chance, and I know a few others on the blog were. Obviously, some were crying out for his blood. You know, remember all the chants and stuff. So, 
I think if we give him a chance, see what he can do, um, see what he can develop. Um, yeah, I don't know how much he sees it long term. But uh, yeah, well, you know, we'll see how things go. I wanted to kind of ask, though, we've got Dennis Suarez and Brenton Diaz. How do you see them fitting into the squad, say, in the summer? Like, how, how would you would you say they're going to push Gerard Moreno out and push out, I guess, Lo Celso? I think, I think Lo Celso is the one who looks pushed out to me. Um, I don't really see a role for him. Um, I think beyond, I think Gerard... Yeah, you know, I, I love, I obviously <laughs> talk about memory lane. I mean, I remember Gerard coming up as a, you know, 2011 12 and, and, uh, and helping us get promotion. Um, you know, I love Gerard. I think the issue with him is just physical niggles. You know, if he can, if he can stay healthy, um, he, he can, he can still, um, support, he can still do a lot. So I think, I don't think he's going to get pushed out. I think the question really is, I almost see it as a, see Dennis's signing as almost a defensive move to see, okay, let's see who gets, you know, let's see who gets, who gets big money offers in the summer. Because we do have a lot of, we do have a lot of midfield talent and, the question is, are we going to need to, I mean, if, if you can clear, you know, 30, 40 million by selling somebody and you've already got a replacement lined up, maybe that's okay. I mean, do I want that to happen? No, not particularly. So if, if I look at it and say, who is the player who probably loses out if we have Brereton Diaz, Dennis Suarez, and we don't make any big sales, well, you'd think it would be a player like Trigueros. Um, yeah. And Morales, it, it, probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Morales is out at some point. I mean, I, I don't know why. He just hasn't quite worked. I don't think our style quite quite suits him. Um, you know, I, it's almost felt like, oh, this was a this was a deal that was, you know, was open up. Um, we just snatched it, and then we thought we'll fit him in later. So, yeah, I think I'd see him out. I, I think... I mean, a lot of people are kind of no one's really commented too much with Dennis Suarez, but I mean, he was he was brilliant for us, and I don't think he's going to do that same kind of job that he did with us. He was like a left winger for us. But I think one thing that's really great about Dennis Suarez is he's so adaptable in roles, so you can play him practically anywhere in the midfield mm-hmm. or possibly mm-hmm. in another ten roles. So I think that's the idea behind signing him. Whereas I think obviously at the moment we've got a lot of players that are restricted to kind of one one role in a way. I mean. Pino's been great. Well, not Pino hasn't been quite as effective as he was for a while under under Emery. We moved him back over to the left side, which is his natural position, which I think he looks happier playing there. Yes, I uh, agree with that. But it's, it's interesting with Dennis Suarez that he could probably, you know, he could also cover for Pareco as well. Um, again, Bayena in that that more forward role. So I think that was definitely the thinking behind him. With Brenton Diaz, I personally, I would like to see him up top with Jared Moreno and just see what they can do. I'd like to go back to 4-4-2. And I, again, I don't know quite who's going to be out of that, but I, it, I just think the style doesn't quite work for us anyway. And I'd like to see sort of, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's just tricky, isn't it? Really? I, I completely agree on the Celso. I, I know there are some very big fans of the Celso on, on our blog. Um, you know, a lot of South Americans, you know, that come in. But I would say that Lo Celso, I think, I think we're just outpriced with the deal. I think they, they're wanting 15, 20 million from, and it, he is good, but I don't think he's. Is he worth that much to us? That's the, that's yeah. the, the problem. It's like I don't know if he. I, that, that's what. That's what um, strikes me is that he's he probably is a twenty million 
player. But I don't think he's I don't think he's his value is that great to us. Now, you know, I could be wrong, but I don't I don't think so. I don't I just don't see that we have a really have a formation and a style of play that suits him all that well. I, yeah. You know, I and suppose that, Dennis Suarez. Dennis Suarez is coming in on free, isn't he? I mean, I know he's not quite the Celso quality, but he's and Lo Celso, to be fair to Lo Celso, he's quite versatile, isn't he? So he, you can play him in different can, positions. Yeah, he can. I mean, I I <clears throat> I think the thing is he's it it really comes down to if you you know if you end up in the summer with a with a good offer for Jeremy or for Baena uh, or for um, Samu, and you move one of those players, then your template looks a little different. So maybe then you do you do figure you're going to slot Dennis in in a, in a certain role to replace one of those players. And maybe, you know, maybe you do figure you have a, a way open for LaCelso. But I, I think it's going to be tricky because Tottenham are difficult to negotiate with. I kind of sensed when they took Danjuma, they almost wanted to, wanted him as a bargaining chip. I could be wrong, but I can see them coming back and saying, well, we'll take Danjuma if you take LaCelso and then working out the cash. Yeah. It, I mean, that, when we mentioned, it's inter- I'd be interested to hear your kind of thoughts on Danjuma. I mean, like I, I, I'm critical of him because of his attitude and the way he is and, and the way he was with us, that he just obviously had, he got to the point where he'd have a great performance just to catch the eye of the media and everything, and then he'd just give up if they didn't give him attention. That, that's my my opinion of him. I, we, in terms of the actual deal, I can't see Tottenham splashing out, what was it, 40 million, I think, if he was yeah, part of the Yeah, I can't. No, I, I, I don't see it either. Well, yeah. my my comment on the <coughs> my comment, I think, on the blog or, or somewhere, maybe it was in a discussion among ourselves. Is this Australian folk song called "Flash Jack from Gundagai," where the Flash Jack is a sheep shearer, and the chorus says, "I can do a respectable job myself whenever I'm willing to try," and that to me was Dan Juma all over, because he played really well in the Champions League when we got. And I'm, and I'm, you know, not selling him short. I mean, you know, he, he had a great match against Atalanta that, that we needed to win that put us into the knockout stages. He played really well in the Champions League, got a lot of eyes on him, but he sure didn't seem very interested once we were qualified for the Conference League the next year. Yeah. I mean, that, that fable you just gave, you know, that, that really reminds me of British politics. Um <laughs> Sorry, I was going not to turn it political, but I think you described every politician in the world there. Uh, a complete lack of effort, but only when, only when it comes up to an election. But sorry, I digress. But yeah, no, it's a, it's an excellent point with Dan Juma. I mean, I I, I think sometimes I, I get so angry by his attitude and and the way everything's gone that I forget how how valuable he was. So that's, that's yeah, my yeah. Opinion. I th- I think the thing the thing that I noticed in recent matches when he got on the pitch was just he was so selfish. You know, it was like I. There was I can't remember what, which match it was now where he it wasn't the Real Madrid one where he missed the open goal it was another one where, or maybe it was yeah. earlier in that game where where we had a we had a break and he just kind of futzed it up by just trying to do too much himself and that was what you would see over and over and evidently that was what our players in the dressing room were reacting to also because there was certainly no um, no no regrets when he was when he was sent on loan. He's a he's a talented player. He 
Um, and I think he probably would benefit from going somewhere um, where, you know, I think he probably would be a good signing permanently for a, for a Premier League team. I think he needs a base where he can, he can really sit and be comfortable for a few years. Um, I think coming to Villarreal, sort of seeing it as well, I'm basically coming here on my way to better things, didn't endear us to anybody, didn't endear him to anybody, but I also don't think it was a great development for him. Um, yeah, but that, that's an absolute fact. I mean, he, yeah, I don't want to go on a kind of match, mass, uh, massive bitching spree about Dan Juma. I mean, I just hope he goes. And I know that sounds bad, but I can't see him wanting to come back to VRL and no, be a liability, won't he, really? No, I can't either. I mean, I think he, you know, he's, he's not, I think he's somebody who really needs a, um, he really needs a lot of support and he maybe needs more support than Villarreal can provide. I mm. just feel like at some level there are some players who, who arrive and they fit into the, um, you know, Villarreal being the small town an hour north of Valencia and, and you can kind of go to the supermarket and shop and nobody bugs you and stuff like that. Some players fit really well into that. And some players don't. And I feel like Danjuma probably, I, I don't sense that Virial had, we, once you're on the squad, they tend to let you do your own thing and think you'll take care of yourself and you'll contact the team if you have needs. And I'm not sure he's that kind of person. I mean, I think, I think probably he might need a, a bigger, um, he might need a bigger support squad around him. Um, because I think he's a very talented player. I, you know, I've never met the man, so I have nothing, you know, to say positive or negative about him personally. But I just wonder if he's not the best person to be a big pond, a big person in a small pond. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to certainly, certainly agree with that. I mean, we'll, we'll never quite understand what goes through head. I mean, if you, you've got in a weird way, got a fear for him because if he keeps on going with his attitude, no one's going to want to sign him. Are they really? I mean, you can't. No, no one wants that kind of negativity within a football team. I mean, you look at almost. I mean, I draw parallels with Ronaldo and Manchester United this year. You know, it's that kind of. It, I mean, the best players in the world are the ones with the egos. You look at Ibrahimovic. You look at Ronaldo. Mm -hmm. uh, all those kind. Of, you need an ego in football, but his is just weird, which is is quite. I mean, it's almost entertaining. But yeah, I mean, people say. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, do. you... Do you think his loss and his lack, his kind of... So this is an interesting point on the comments. Was Do you think his loss to VRL will have a massive impact on our goals? Because I, what it's, I mean, my argument was that last season, I, did, I haven't checked the facts or figures as usual, but he, he was injured quite a lot of it and he didn't contribute massively in terms of goals last season, did he? So is it really a massive loss this season to let him go? Does, does that kind of make sense? Um, yeah, I don't... I don't know that it is other than we've been struggling to score. So maybe his, his um, contribution, even though fairly small would seem a little larger, but I don't, you know, the thing is, it's like he hasn't started. He didn't start many games for us. It's not like he was um, uh, even under Emory. He wasn't being used that much so 
I don't know that I really see his loss as being that great in terms of our goal scoring. I think the I think the loss is more in terms of yeah, he he is somebody one of the problems with him is that and this is not his problem is that he really is a player who needs a lot of playing time and I think after the injury against Satafe he you know that really set him back and he's not a player who who does real well coming on in the last 15 minutes of matches which yeah. is too bad because in some ways that's something that he could offer us would would be kind of a change of pace and change of style but you know when we tried to play him in the middle of 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 attack he, that's that's not his role um yeah. he strikes me as somebody who would be great under marcelino in a counter-attacking style that's, that's just true i mean i, I can't imagine marcelino put up with his antics so <laughs> well no i mean well i can't imagine imagine dan juma putting up with marcelino's antics <laughs> Oh, it would. Yeah, it, it would be. It would be worth. It would be worth the price of admission. To, yeah, but yeah, but but I think that's. I think the thing is that sort of, you know, a possession style like we've been playing doesn't really work as well for him as a mm -hmm. as a quick counterattacking style, and yeah. I think that's where he could he could really flourish. So, you know, I I mean I don't do I think Spurs will sign him for forty million? No. Do I think they might? Come back and negotiate us down. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's a decent. I think he's a decent enough player, no question. Yeah, I mean, he scored for them, didn't he? So, yeah. I mean, ironically, on that point, I would say that Setien's probably a better manager for Dan Juma in terms of our style. I mean, he could have taken Pino's position and probably really shined on that role. You know, yeah. that left wing. Because, yeah. like you said, when we moved him into that striking role, it was absolutely stupid to put him there, and we should have really invested in a striker at that point or kept Dia. Um, but we seem to just stick with Dan Juma rather than Deer in a, in a, in a weird way. Um, so, yeah, sorry, that, that question sounded like I was trying to trick you. It wasn't. It was, I was interested in your opinion. Yeah, um, no, no, I, no I, that's fine. I got that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just think that um, it, it's interesting how, you know, as you say, the, some of the decisions you make come back to affect you in ways that you didn't imagine that they would. And to me, it, it, it feels like the whole thing during the summer of, you know, the whole Paco um, <laughs> situation and then, and then um, moving Dia, that sort of um, set us up here, I, I feel like. Um, so I have to get one mention of your favorite player in. <laughs> <laughs> All I can ever get associated with El Casa. So someone asked me about it in the pub the other day, and I went on a bit of a rant. I mean, I must admit, I had a few, but I didn't expect to be having a rant in a York pub about El Casa. So. Yeah. Tell you what, Alan, I've got a question for you. What, what's the biggest loss to VRL? Is it Dan Juma's goals or Moy Gomez in general? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's I. Again, I think Moy is an, is a player who talk about a player who wouldn't fit in a four three three. I I'm delighted to see him doing so well for Osasuna. Um, he's doing well. I mean, I haven't checked. I haven't, yeah, I mean, he I'm is. He's, do, he's doing well. I mean, he's he's been he's been. Um, I, I think in some ways he, he's really benefited from a change of scenery because I think it's 
I think he sort of needed a new challenge, and he's getting regular. You know, he's getting a lot of a lot of playing time. But you know, he's also playing on a team that is kind of uh, they're they're having a great time. You know, gotten to the semis of the Copa. Um, they're I think they'll probably fall back in the second half of the season just because their squad is so thin. But you know, they, he he really enjoys, I think, being a, a bit of a marauding midfielder and and has a little more freedom than he had at, at Villarreal. But um, I I've always always liked him, as you know. And but his but his real role was sort of four four two for us. I don't I don't I think he sort of lost out to the. Once you had Jeremy and even and, and even before Baena, once you had Jeremy and and Samu um, sort of ahead of him, I think it was very hard for him to break in. Yeah. So I yeah. have to I have to be honest and say if he were with us this year, I don't know that he would have got, seen that much of the pitch that it would have made that much a difference. Yeah, uh, I think that's that, that's definitely a fair point as well. I, I just wanted to, since you name drop El Castle with me, I thought I'd name drop you. With yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely was one of the. I mean, I remember him coming up as well, and we were always skeptical. He was always that one, that weird one where you just never knew where he was going to go, what he was going to end up doing. So, I mean, good good for him as well. Though, I mean, I, I, like you said, I think he was re- he would really suit like a smaller club where he can just sort of almost be like the star yeah, of the show. And, and it's and it's interesting that you know I think actually I always liked him a lot. I always thought that the two players in the Cantera that that were that I thought would would maybe go do something were um, were Moy and uh, Alex Garcia. And Alex yeah. has finally, you know, it's, it's like we sold him to Man City um, for good money, actually, considering his age and the fact he hadn't been tested. And he didn't really work out there. I mean, they sort of loaned him around and everything. And now he's at Girona and he's he's looking great. I mean, I yeah. I think he's the player that we all always knew was there. But, you know, with young players, it's they develop at different speeds. They, it's, it sometimes, you know, there's a lot of personal confidence, lack thereof. Um, you know, Manu Morlanis is, uh, we should probably close with since we actually did make one transaction in the, in the window late. Um, I mean, he's another player who, if you look at him, he was, he was starting a lot in the, um, like Spanish under 16 side, but as the age levels went up, he sort of dropped away from the national scene. And he's, he, again, is a player who um, has found it difficult to sort of succeed with lack of regular playing time. So maybe moving him to Mallorca, um, maybe that'll work out for them. I don't know. But I, I think he's somebody that we've always thought, oh, gee, this guy's going to be good. But he just hasn't hasn't quite developed in the way that we thought. And I, and obviously the front office felt that way too. So, yeah, I think his problem was always physical strength really, wasn't he? He had the ability and stuff, but he just, you could just see him being pushed off the ball so much and in the role that he plays, um, but you can't be that pushed off, which obviously like he might be developed over time, you know, he might improve, like you say. So, I mean, there was talk, I think of like 4 million for him. If, if I think that's, that. I think that's the purchase option. Yeah. 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 I think, I think that's fair in my opinion for his current level and his current ability. I mean, I know people were a bit 
skeptical about letting him go and it leaves us deep. But he, he wasn't really playing, was he? I mean, he played in the copper, didn't he? But he yeah, he played. played, played yeah, he didn't, and he played in the uh, in the uh, conference league. Pretty, he, I think he started all of our group matches there. But yeah, he's. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would say. Four million is maybe slightly light, but you know I couldn't imagine more than five or six, probably. Mm. Um, I'm really glad you mentioned Garcia because I, I like he's basically my your moy to my Alexi Garcia. If that makes sense. Like, uh, I I always really really rated him, and I was devastated. I mean, I think we were only ever going to really lose him to Manchester. I mean, in, like you said, in terms of his development, I think you couldn't have got a better coach in the world in, in Pep Guardiola, could he really? So that's really helped him blossom. And again, he's more, he's kind of like Moy really in the fact that if he's given that role of being a strong player, he can, I mean, he was pretty impressed against us. You really didn't notice him. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, I would actually love if we thought about signing him as a kind of replacement long-term for Pareko or even Gokalan, because he's got a good mixture. Of, I mean, could you imagine like Denis Suarez and Alexi Garcia as a midfield. I feel like those two would connect very well. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good point. Um, yeah, I think he's. I, I I think he and we sold him if I remember right. I think we got something like three or four million from Man City yeah. when he was like eighteen or something. So. Yeah, there is a record signing, or I think for that age. And interesting, he he, <laughs> he went to Man. City and he became Englishified because he's now got tattoos all over his arm, he's wearing a shaved head and he's gone back to Spain. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. quite interesting. We've sent, we sent him to England and he's come back a proper English person, the little fellow, just been to Alicante or Benidorm or something. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would love to sign him. I would love because he went, it was weird, wasn't it? He, when he left VRL, he had like long blonde hair and he looked like, some sort yeah, of that's right. He, yeah, he, yeah, well, he, yeah, he looked like a, like a typical, uh, Sort of Valencian, um, you know, beach bum, right? <laughs> he looked like a surfer. Now, now he looks like someone you wouldn't want to meet down in a dark alley. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting how those things happen. Any last thoughts before we wrap it up? No, um, like I said, I'm, I'm probably shot myself in the floor already being a bit optimistic, but I'm still fairly hopeful that we can get at least top six, I reckon. Um, how, how about you? How do you reckon we'll end up? Well, I think, you know, I, I think the disappointment for me is I, I really don't think Atleti are that, are that good this year, so I think we really had a chance for fourth. I think that's my disappointment from not picking up a keeper and or doing anything in the market, but... Um, you know, realistically, I look at the teams below us, and they didn't have any better Januarys than we did, mostly. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think fifth or sixth is, is certainly pretty pretty possible. I was uh, having Perez go to Betis, though, bothered me. I, I didn't like – it was bad enough that we didn't get him, but then when he went to the team that's really probably challenging um, for, for us for fifth, I was like, ah, I don't like that, but yeah, we should we should be fine as long as as long as we can score. I mean, I just I just feel like the goals have got to start flowing again. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to know why the Paris deal fell through. I mean, I'm wondering if it was wages or what. Or what. I mean, I, there was no implication like that. Betis out. I mean, we normally outdo Betis when it comes to actually signing players, but I mean, maybe he felt like he would suit better for Betis. He is that sort of player, isn't he? So. Um, yeah, I don't know, and I and I also don't know. Um, you know, I just I just feel like maybe at this, if I'm looking at where the at where the team is budget wise, I feel like maybe we're just being really careful, um, right. and and so, 
as we've seen, the, the financial fair play uh, tends to affect clubs like us more than it does the bigger clubs who can find ways around it. And so I just wonder if, I just wonder if we're trying to be very careful so that we don't box ourselves in with too much salary or something like that. Yeah. Because, you know, we're not going to play the sort of financial games Barcelona plays. Thank you very much. Same as Chelsea, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they're in, they must have spent more this transfer window than our entire squad costs. Twice oh, easily, easily. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, it's we, can't all, we can't really end the blog without also having a little dig at Valencia and the fact that they've sacked their manager again. Yeah, um, I was going to say, they not only the only club with a worse uh, window or one of the clubs with a worse window than us was Valencia because not only did they not bring in anybody, they lost their manager. So, yeah. so um, Voro is <laughs> there again, and we'll see. We'll see how that works out. But I, uh, Valencia's problem is, um, you know, they're, they're, the problem is when you have an owner which you can't get rid of. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the thing, the thing about it is, we, we've always laughed about it in the past, and we've always had a nice rivalry with them. But now, when you look at it, it's just sad. You, you just it feel is sorry. Sad. It is you? sad. I, I really feel badly for their fans who keep getting, I don't know what I want to say, duped or whatever. It's like, I I went, um, you know, you you see this all the time at smaller clubs, but you don't usually see it at, at big ones where where um, you just get this, this person in who seems like they're going to be, invest in the team and do all this stuff. And then they just basically, uh, as far as I can tell, you know, Lim has his friend Mendez and Mendez is just using Valencia to run players through, but there's yeah. no real, um, there's no real purpose to the investment. There's no real goal. And I feel really badly for the Valencia fans who, um, who are just, you know, every, every year they're lied to and every year, um, the coach leaves <laughs> because he gets fed up. Um, you know, I mean, it reminds me on a, on a bigger scale, you, you know, I'm a fan of Port Vale in England, little, <laughs> little team. And we went through this where we, you know, we got, a, we got a guy in that we could not get rid of, you know, who basically was holding the team hostage. Finally, they did. They got local owners and they, you know, got promoted last year or doing pretty well this year. I mean, and it's not just how they're doing on the pitch. It's that the, the you know, the community is interested again. The, the having local owners is so much better. And I, I wish Valencia could, could, you know, cobble together something that would get rid of the absentee owners who clearly don't understand the city and don't understand the club. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've got to love you Americans and your weird, obscure clubs that you like. I mean, there's I'm still a my brother's a massive Swansea fan, and he, I'm pretty sure he, he went over to the US and just found like a massive Swansea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, Port Port Vale have been my have been my club since 1982. Well, I'll tell you what, if, if York City ever get close, then we'll go and see a York City versus Port Vale game. <laughs> I, I think we can. I think we can do that. And both wear our very old jerseys and confuse everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Just to clarify, I meant the ancient town of York, not the New York. Um, so right, right, when I tell right. people I'm from York, they're just like, "Oh, what New York?" And I'm like, "No, the, the the small medieval town in the center in the north of England." Sorry. <laughs> right, right, right. 
So yes. So anyway, that's that's uh, yeah. Yeah, what, we yeah. We could we, we could we could arrange to do that. All right. Well, good talking with you as always, Robin. It's been fun, and uh, and uh, we've we've managed to work in all sorts of obscure references to all sorts of players that no one other than us will remember. So it couldn't I, be a podcast about that. That's right. Well done. <laughs> all right. So this is this is Alan for Robin saying in the van I'll go have a glass of Rioja. <laughs> Cheers. See you later, guys.